You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, hello and welcome. It's draft week. Finally, the 2021 NFL draft is just around the corner. Welcome to the First Draft Podcast, Field Yates, alongside Mel Kuyper Jr. How are you, Mel? We're good. I'm ready to go. And Todd McShay, you guys both looking energized. Todd, how are we feeling? Feel fantastic. Can't wait to do 90 minutes of this. Oh, man, I could sense it in your voice. All right, that's all right. Today's show <laughs> is going to be our longest podcast of the pre-draft process. It's going to be really simple. Todd and Mel are going to go back and forth. I'm going to ask them for a team, and they're just going to overview the team's needs and draft outlook as we begin about three and a half days from we're having this conversation right now with the 2021 NFL Draft. Uh, Because of our exercise we recently did where Todd and Mel went back and forth on a mock draft and Mel went first, we'll continue to have him overview the odd number teams. So without further ado, Mel, let's dive right into it. Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. What's your outlook for them? Outlook is uh, Trevor Lawrence and then build around them and, and got both sides of the ball. You have to address, obviously, Jacksonville's obviously not a team that's ready to, to contend for a Super Bowl. But I think there's going to be plenty of options at tight end, build the offensive lineup, receiving help, also get a safety at some point. Uh, they have the draft picks to do it. Uh, you know, when we were doing the mock draft, I thought Kadarius Tony. Uh, would give them a versatile option there. They had their second round picks. They have another opportunity. Maybe they want to get a running back in the second round. They could get a Trayvon Merrick if they wanted to go safety from TCU in the late first instead of the wide receiver. Keep in mind, wide receiver, the, the deepest position in this draft. So I think it sets up well for, for Jacksonville to get a lot of pieces around Trevor, number one, and then also try to build that defense for Urban Meyer in his first year. And of course, yeah, I've talked to I've talked to Urban a bunch over the last few weeks, and obviously, you know, Trevor Lawrence is the pick, and they're they're committed to really bringing in guys that are that are going to support him. If you, if you have a chance, you're starting an organization, right? That's basically how Urban's looking at this. If you're starting an organization and you have an, a once in a decade opportunity to bring in a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, you better put pieces around him. So maybe it, is it Travis Etienne, the, the running back from, from Clemson later in the first round? Is it offensive line? And then go get a running back like a Javante Williams from UNC in the second round? It won't surprise me. I think they, what are they have five picks, I'm looking now, in the top 65. It won't surprise me if three or four of those picks wind up being on the offensive side of the ball. As we move to number two, we go to the Jets, who are well-equipped this year and next with draft capital. So, Todd, Jets have 10 picks. Where should they be looking? Yeah, they're loaded. They've got they've got 20 picks in, in the two-year span of this year and next year in the draft. They're going to take Zach Wilson, assuming that Trevor Lawrence goes number one. And then after that, it becomes, again, very similar to the conversations with Urban Meyer. The Jets really want to protect their quarterback. What happened with Sam Darnold, they don't want to happen again with, it, with their next quarterback. So is, is it an offensive lineman? Are they going to move up to go get a guy? Are they going to sit around and wait? Or are they going to move back? 
but they're, they're open for business in terms of moving up or down. And don't be surprised if they do in the first round. And then the second round, I think they continue to try to get weapons. You know, if they get an offensive lineman with that second pick in the first round, then I think they would go maybe wide receiver. They could go tight end at some point. And certainly there are needs on the defensive side, but they're not going to draft Zach Wilson on a BYU and just leave him stranded. Now let's move to pick number three for now with the San Francisco 49ers. As we know, it was originally the Houston Texans and then Miami Dolphins. Now belongs to San Francisco in so many ways. This feels like the place where the NFL draft could sort of begin in terms of drama. Yeah, Mac Jones, Trey Lance. Which quarterback do they take? Uh, it seems like Mac Jones would be the guy. Trey Lance, everybody's kind of thinking could be in the discussion. Uh, then you get the corner. And I think a corner that's really intriguing to me is Tyson Campbell from Georgia because he doesn't finish. You know, the catch point's not his. Why he only had one career in reception is it instinctive. Is something you can coach. Obviously, at Georgia, they weren't able to get that to keep to improve at any point in his career. But he's long, he's athletic, and he's extremely fluid. And if you can get this kid in the second round, he could be a late one, but if you get him in the second, if you can't, maybe in the third or fourth round, you'll get an underrated corner like Brandon Stevens from SMU, formerly of UCLA. He was a running back taking handoffs from Josh Rosen. They gave two good years to SMU in the secondary, big, fast, and physical. Now he gets a little handsy once in a while, uh, gets some penalties, but he's still learning. But I think, uh, I think there'll be plenty of corners. Corners the second deepest position in this draft. So I think the 49ers get the quarterback, then get a corner, add a receiver. They always are going to look at another pass rusher, and there's a lot of those that you can get down the line in this draft. So I think it sets up where the 49ers, well, yeah, they hope to be right back in the Super Bowl hunt. And uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback, but certainly Mac Jones, and then get somebody in the back end in that secondary corner that can help you. And I'll tell you, Asante Samuel Jr., Todd, is a guy that all he is is a football player. He's got the instinct. He's got the versatility slot or wide. And to me, he's just a guy that you know, other guys may look better with the length, but the kid has the bloodlines and he goes out and he impresses you on tape. Yeah, and sometimes you don't want to make the obvious comparison to his father, but he's got some instincts that certainly that does not fall far from the tree for Asante Samuel Jr. Of course, his father, such a good ball hawking cornerback for so many years, Patriots and Eagles and Falcons and others, which brings us to the Falcons who right now, Todd, again, have the fourth overall pick. This has been a spot where people have speculated could be a trade-up spot or could be where Atlanta has to make a critical decision between a quarterback or potentially Kyle Pitts. Where does Atlanta go, and what else is their outlook for the draft? Yeah, this one's interesting because we know three quarterbacks are coming off the board, and let's assume it's Mac Jones three after after Trevor Lawrence one and, and Zach Wilson two. They There are people inside the building that like – the other two quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, but there's a lot of love for Kyle Pitts, the Florida tight end. And that's that's ultimately where I think they're going to wind up going unless they wind up getting a, an opportunity to move back and get a lot of additional picks. They know they're not there right now. They, they know that Julio Jones is coming towards the end in the next two, three years. Same with Matt Ryan, their quarterback. But they, there's also some pressure – from maybe ownership thinking, all right, should is this the time? Because we're not going to be drafting it for, you know, anytime soon, in our opinion and what we want. So we've got this great quarterback class. Do we bring in one of these quarterbacks and develop them behind Matt Ryan for the next year or two? Or do we take this Hall of Fame tight end that we potentially think that, that Pitts could be? So it's a tough decision. They're definitely open for business. I know that for a fact. 
But I think if they don't get a great deal, they wind up staying at four and taking pits. And then in this scenario, if Mac Jones is the third quarterback, now you've got Trey Lance, who we all thought could have been a you know second or third overall pick, and, and Justin Fields, who everyone thought was going to be the second pick behind Trevor Lawrence when he came out of high school, still on the board. And you've got a few teams moving, moving beyond this that are looking for wide receivers and tight ends and different positions, offensive line, but not looking for quarterbacks. So that's when it gets intriguing with like Carolina, Denver, and beyond. You know, Todd, one thing I wanted to ask you about Atlanta is that there were a few reports, including the first one by Peter King, late Sunday night into early Monday morning, the team Falcons is going to explore a Julio Jones trade and that they may potentially have the framework worked out as soon as this week. As you know, draft is often the time teams are talking. It wouldn't be executed until after June 1 for salary cap purposes. Could the Falcons be sort of a sneaky candidate to draft Jamar Chase? I mean, if you were just stacking up the board, one through four, he's probably one of the four best players. They could be, but but I also – I'm I'm fairly confident that Kyle Pitts, if they don't go quarterback, that Mm -hmm. he would be the choice there. And I know that he's not a, a, you know, quote unquote, a a wide receiver, an X receiver, but you can utilize him like one and and you can utilize them opposite or on the same side with Calvin Ridley. So if, if they want to go weapon, I think it's, it's Pitts and then Chase would be the next decision in terms of their, their pecking order. Mel, I think that number five, Cincinnati is almost a philosophical question in some ways to protect Joe Burrow or to give Joe Burrow another weapon to throw to. What would you do at pick five if you're Cincinnati? And what do they need to address besides those two positions? I think key to this is going to be the second round because how do you evaluate the offensive tackles you can get in round two as opposed to the receivers that you like in round two? So, and who do you think can be there? If you love, say, Deami Brown from North Carolina. Uh, Do you think that maybe a Terrace Marshall Jr., because the injury concern could still be there, and you like him, you want to take a a chance on him. If you like Spencer Brown, say, an offensive tackle from Northern Iowa, who's huge and tested great and had a heck of a career at Northern Iowa, then you think, okay, we got some tack. James Hudson III, Liam Eikenberg, Notre Dame, somebody like that. Uh, Dylan Radens, North Dakota State. So it just depends how they grade those players out, because I really believe they're going to come out of those first two rounds They need to have a receiver who can go vertical and take the top off the defense. They need that. They also need an offensive lineman because Riley Reese on a one-year deal at right tackle. And if you drafted a tackle, you can play him at guard. Certainly that's where Penny Sewell would play right away. So it's tough with Scott, with Jamar Chase. He was with Burrow. Makes it very complicated field and tied to what Cincinnati is going to do. But I do think the second round and how they rank those guys and who they want to take a chance would be there will impact that pick. It's trending a little bit to Chase. Uh, you know, I would be able to have a tough time passing up so, but I understand if they take Chase, why they would do it. Yeah, I think one of the questions people are going to wonder, Mel, is so separate and apart from whether you believe they should take a pass catcher or a pass protector, do you evaluate Penne Sewell at the level for offensive tackles that you do Jamar Chase at the level for wide receivers? I do, and, and I, I think you have to look at it as well. Now, both of them opted out. Chase was a one-year guy, and you love what you saw in that one year. Uh, but Sewell was a one-and-a-half-year guy, injured a little bit. But, you know, he's a flawless kid. Had he played this year, uh, I think we would have been talking about him in the same breath as the Orlando Paces and the Jonathan Ogden and the Baselli's and the Walter Joneses and all the guys that went, uh, that went high at the offensive tackle, the left tackle spot. Uh, the fact that he didn't play, he opted out, as did Jamar Chase. 
it makes it a little bit more of a discussion. But I do think Chase and Sewell are rated right where they need to be for Cincinnati to make a pick that they feel very comfortable with. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. Like I said, you hear a little bit about Chase. Uh, I think it's hard because of the hit rate for tackle as opposed to wide receiver. You're kind of fighting the odds there a little bit. But if you believe in Chase and you believe in the physicality he brings to that position and the incredible talent he is uh, and the workout that showed he kept himself in shape and was ready to roll from a football standpoint, uh, Joe Burrow would be thrilled with that pick. Only problem I have, a Todd and Field, is the offensive line. they got to address it, not only in the second round, but probably another round or two. So three offensive linemen, I think, would need to come in via the draft of the Cincinnati Bengals to, to offset not taking a tackle, say, like Sewell in the first round. One of the interesting parts of the Sewell versus Chase dilemma is sometimes when you evaluate it, it's what if this guy's a 10-year all-pro at his position? And interestingly enough, the top of the wide receiver market in terms of salary is basically identical to the top of the left tackle market as well. So sometimes you have to look at the finances involved when you're extrapolating out 10 years and you've got kind of parallel tracks. Let's move to pick six, Todd, which again is now owned by the Miami Dolphins. They've traded a couple of times uh, to get to that slot. You've been effusive in your praise of Chris Greer and his front office. They've got plenty of draft capital. They've got resources. What should they be targeting? Yeah, Field, I mean, they have five picks, I think, in the top – or four picks in the top 50 overall. Mm-hmm. But they, they moved back to get additional picks, moved up to make sure that they were right here in the wide receiver market. They, they know that they've got to get to Otunga Bailoa, a big-time weapon at wide receiver. And they would be – I mean, they'll be sitting there kind of clenching their fists – when pick five comes in, is it Panay Sewell? I think that they would love for that to be the pick. And then they get Jamar Chase, even though he, he's the guy that didn't play with Tua in college. And if it's not Chase, then I think it's going to wind up being one of the, uh, the other two guys from Bama, Devontae Smith, who's coming off the Heisman year, or uh, Jalen Waddle, who's the most explosive player in this draft when you put the ball in his hand. So they really can't go wrong. And I think that was part of the genius of what they did of getting additional picks, but then making sure that they're going to be in a spot where they get one of the three guys that they really covet. And then moving on to that 18th pick, and not that there's not a lot of important draft picks beyond the first round, but that's obviously where a lot of the focus is. What will be a sort of range or a couple of prospects that might come to mind that fit needs and should be there around 18? Yeah, I think offensive line is, is one of the other top needs after wide receiver. So Elijah Barra-Tucker from, from USC, who was a left tackle in, in college and, and is going to kick inside the guard in the NFL. Uh, Christian Derisaw, the, the offensive tackle from Virginia Tech, would make some sense. They could go edge at that point. You know, that's where kind of the range we'll start to see basically 11 on where uh, Pay from Michigan could come off the board and, and Jalen Phillips from, from Miami as well. So they should be in a good spot at 18 to get one of the players that they want on the offensive or defensive line. Yeah, the ones that Todd mentioned, Field, the Vera Tucker, I just – I really can't see him getting to 18 uh, as a guard. I actually don't either, Mel. I don't yeah. either. I, I think he's one of the – I know from spending the whole weekend on the mm-hmm. phone with, with coaches and, and general mm-hmm. managers – He's one of the hottest names in this class. Yeah, I think by 10, 12, 15, you know, you're not Dallas at 10, but when you get into that area where the Giants at 11, you get about the Chargers at 13, Minnesota at 14, 
uh, you know, the Raiders. There's, there's teams that could take Vera Tucker, Quentin Nelson went high. You know, you've had Zach Martin went around that spot. So I just think a guard, he was a left tackle. He's a guard. He's going to be a pro bowl guard. He's a safe pick to know what you're getting. Uh, you can elevate your offensive line an awful lot with a guy like Vera Tucker. But uh, now we go to a team that needs to elevate their defense uh, field. And that's the Detroit Lions picking that's at right. seven. And we projected, you know, we thought this could be a hot spot, Todd, for a trade. Uh, that Detroit needs, needs maybe picks. They need players. They just get yep. one guy, fine, but we need extra picks. Wide receiver help desperately needed. Linebacker help. The O-line, the secondary, it's all over the place for the Detroit Lions. And if they can get out of seven and move down and then get maybe a Micah Parsons linebacker, Penn State, uh, it would probably be a move that you would say at the end of the day would be the correct move for a Detroit Lion team. Needs a completely kind of rehaul or you know, rebuild. If you say rebuild, I'd say build because they haven't been anything. Got, yeah. Yeah, but it's not a rebuild, it's build. Uh, this Detroit Lion football team up from the, uh, you know, from the top where you say, okay, who's the elite guy? If you still get Parsons at 15 at the top of this draft, you're not losing a lot. Micah Parsons, had he played this year, probably would have been a top 10 pick guaranteed. No, a couple of things that are interesting, too, is Carolina is sending out whether it's, whether it's leaking or it's smokescreen information. I've gotten information from two different general managers in the NFL who said we, we're hearing that Carolina could take Justin Fields at eight if he falls to, to them there. So take it for what it's worth. But the point going to what, what Mel's saying is if Carolina is sending out that smoke signal or if they legitimately could take a quarterback there, that's a spot if you're, if you're Denver at nine, if you're New England at 15, which I don't think is going to happen, but they're, you know, they're a candidate, 19, Washington, 20, Chicago. That's kind of the, the target spot where you have to move up to. So Detroit could wind up getting a really good deal to move back and, and, and get additional picks. And, and yes, to get Micah Parsons falling. Micah Parsons is, is the best defensive player, I think, in this draft based solely on tape. But he's, he's got some off-the-field issues, some, some past character stuff, and some things that teams are concerned about in terms of bringing him in. So he's going to fall a little bit. But, I, again, I think he's going to be a star in the league. I really do. But ultimately, if you can move back and get a Parsons and additional picks, that's a win for Detroit. And Carolina is fascinating at eight because are they actually going to take a quarterback? And, and the information I got was they're looking at, at Sam Darnold as a two-year project and, and po possibly kind of a stopgap to make sure that they upgrade their quarterback spot. They have a two-year contract on them. They're, it's only $5 million, I think, around, around there in terms of what the cap hit is for, for Darnold. And then you bring in a Fields if that's the decision they try to make. And you develop him on the back end and get him ready and make sure that your organiz organization set for 10 years moving forward. So that's going to be another – we talk about trigger points, you know, three with Sam Fran, which quarterback do they go with, four with Atlanta, do they go quarterback or, or, or Pitts. This is the next most intriguing pick to me because I think Carolina at eight could go in a number of different directions. They also need uh, cornerback help and offensive line help so getting a team to move up to them ahead of Denver would make a lot of sense. Hey, Mel, can I ask you about the idea of drafting Justin Fields? And then I know people want to hear your guys' opinions, but I'd like to maybe throw a final word in there on some of my thoughts on the idea of Carolina taking Justin Fields eight after just trading for Sam Donald. What do you think? I'll tell you what, Josh Rosen and Sam Donald came out the same year and both have been dealt some uh, bad hand 
I mean, if that's the case, because you go from the Jets, who are now starting to build up their personnel, and they trade you to Carolina. Now Carolina gets you. They got they're starting to have an opportunity here at eight to get you a receiver, right? They're going to get you a wide out or an offensive lineman like Slater to be the left tackle from Northwestern, or Devontae Smith or a Jalen Waddle. They're going to say, "Oh, we're going to take Justin Fields." Okay, Sam, <laughs> thanks for being here, but we're going to we're not going to help you. We're going to get maybe the guy that can compete with you. So again, Josh Rosen, Arizona, Miami got dealt a bad hand. Sam Darnold, if that's the case, Field, to answer your question, I don't think it's not about fairness. It, it makes I, no I, sense, Mel. Thank you. It makes, Thank you. It, it, make, it makes no sense. I, I, I don't see it at all. It's it, just it what I'm hearing. God, it makes sense if you don't believe in Sam Darnold. Right. So then why, why do you, trade, why do you exactly. trade for a 23-year-old right. quarterback and, and think that he can be an upgrade and then, and then completely – like you have to have confidence as a quarterback. You've got to know that the organization is behind you. And Sam has been through enough, man. I mean, he has been through exactly. that, that offense. Oh, man. Sucks. It feels what I can tell. No, we're, yeah. well, we actually all see it the same way. And so Todd, by the way, Todd was not agreeing with the assessment to, or the idea. No, of, no, of this is just what I'm He was just offering up intel, and we all right. see it the same and, way. And Peter Schrager came on with us last week and said he thinks the fields could go there at eight. And he was on TV with yeah. us, and Peter said eight to the fields. Don't, don't count that out. I guess we always talk about. Steve Walsh was brought in when Troy Aikman was there mm-hmm. okay, in Dallas. And Troy yeah. Aikman was having a battle because Steve Walsh had a pretty good preseason. They were all saying, Steve Walsh moves this team better than Troy Aikman does. So everybody has to deal with competition. That's how do you deal with it. If Sam comes in and says, okay, you want to bring him in? I'll beat him out. And if right. whoever wins that battle is in the NFL where you've got to have that great young quarterback, I'm just playing devil's advocate here with both of you. Wouldn't yep. it be like a win-win? If one guy yeah. emerges as great, that's the most important position. I wouldn't do it. I think Sam is – Sam, uh, three years ago, a 23-year-old quarterback was talking was talked about like he was going to be a franchise quarterback. I would uh-huh. say to you guys or say to everybody out there to hate Sam Darnold, and I, I like Josh better, but I still like Sam. What has he done in New York to show that he can't get it done in the NFL? Well, I, I hear you have a saying. chance. You never, that's that's the saying. thing. Is, is that right? We hasn't. Yeah, nothing. exactly. It's not what he has shown. It's perhaps what he hasn't had the opportunity to do. And my thinking is that if you're going to justify a Sam Darnold trade, which involved three picks going from Carolina to New York, that part of your mindset is we are going to actively keep every card available that we can play to make Sam better. Drafting Justin Fields has Sam swimming upstream. Once again, I like the idea of having good quarterbacks on your roster because they're valuable. Not in this circumstance. I think no. the Carolina Panthers should be looking elsewhere. So let's just let's let's keep it there. Then, Todd, I'll ask you, assuming they don't go quarterback because we think it's maybe bad business, where should they be looking to pick eight and beyond? Offensive line, cornerback are probably two of the, the biggest positions of need. I, I would say wide receiver, safety, or, or beyond that. But offensive line at this at this point, if they don't move back. And Panay Sewell goes to Cincinnati at five. I think Rashawn Slater, who to me, is it's like one and one A in my opinion. They're different players, but Sewell from, from Oregon, Slater from Northwestern are both going to be really good starting left tackles in the league. So I would just hang tight at eight if I can't get a great deal. And if I'm not told by ownership or what, wherever it's coming from that I have to take a quarterback here, and I would take Slater. Hey, at least they, we know one thing. They're not going to go all defense. 
yards again after using literally every pick on defense. That's going to be the first time any team. And, 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 you, and you could you could go Jalen Waddle here if Waddle's still available as well. Oh yeah, or Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith. Right, either Waddle. one. DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson's contracts are up after this year. They're going to yep. get one of them back, not both of them. So there's a strong yeah. argument. They want all defense. This is going to be an offensive draft. Don't, make no mistake. This is about the, either Slater or Sewell or one of those wide receivers if it's not the quarterback. So right, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get saying, annoyed as we're just talking about it. Like, learn, from, learn from past mistakes, right? Don't do it. Look what Sam was went through with the, the Jets. Like, give me one big-time playmaker that he ever had to play with with any consistency. He yeah. didn't. And so bring him in and let's use this pick either to protect him or to support him with a playmaker. I completely agree on that. Let's move to another team that I think actually could make a case or you should make a case for drafting a quarterback. Mel, that's the Denver Broncos. We're picking ninth overall. What's their outlook? Yeah, their outlook is Drew Locke. And, you know, how do they feel about Drew Locke? And I talked to Jeff Legwall that covers the Denver Broncos for NFL Nation, and they like Drew Locke but they've always wanted to have a competition with Locke or try to elevate his game and do what we said, find out we got to get a quarterback here. We get two guys. Let's see which one is the best because this is a league guys of superstars. Okay. And you can't be Denver and have a division with Herbert and Carr and Mahomes. You've got to somehow close that gap or even it out or get close to even it out. And if they feel like, okay, Locke's okay. And if Locke elevates his game and becomes Derek Carr, which he could, then we're okay. But if he doesn't, then we can get that quarterback, whether it's Lance or Field. So I think they're one of those teams. And if they don't, they look at Micah Parsons. Nick Fangio's defense, obviously perfect for, for a guy like uh, Micah Parsons. The secondary, they could address, obviously, a pass rusher at some point. But I think what they do at nine in terms of the quarterback position, do they bring in a quarterback to compete with Drew Locke? Where you talk about with, with Sam, you don't want to do it there. But I'll ask, would you do it if you're Denver? I personally think, that Drew Locke needs that. I mean, are you sure that Drew Locke's going to be the guy? I think Sam, I think we're, we're more impressed right now, or I think we're sold on Sam being the guy Definitely. in Carolina than we are with Drew Locke. Yeah, and I, I like Drew Locke, but th- there's a big difference in my mind between the two and what they can become in the league. This is the circumstance where I understand having a second quarterback in tow to challenge the incumbent starter. Uh, there's no quarterback being drafted by Dallas. Todd, they picked 10th overall. Dak Prescott signed a four-year deal this offseason. If all offensive players go one through nine, which seems at least feasible, this could be where the defensive run starts. Patrick Sertan, we can move on to pick 11. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that, it's, that, it's such a tailor-made yeah. fit, right? And, and it is. But they, a defensive theme for this draft, I would think, as well. Yeah, they need to upgrade that side of the ball. They they want a, a long corner. They want someone who can come in, has experience, and is, is well-coached and ready to go and can make an immediate impact. I feel like every single year we're talking about the Cowboys needing corners and safeties. They also could use some offensive line depth and competition later in the draft. But I'm told that it, this is if Sertan's on the board and if they don't make a deal to move up for, for Kyle Pitts – like everyone's been talking about with the, the Jerry Jones comments, and I don't think that's going to happen, that it's Sertan. They would be willing to move back a little bit if they got a great deal, but I, I, I believe 10, 10 overall is going to be Dallas taking Pat, Patrick Sertan. All right, there you have it. Pick number 10. Let's get into the, I guess not, I was going to say teens, but 11 is not quite a team. Mel, we're going to number 11, which is the New York Giants. GM Dave Gettleman recently said, yeah. I haven't traded down because the offer never presented itself the right one, but I've tried. 
We know the Giants typically don't trade down, uh, just historically as a franchise. Where should they be looking at pick number 11, Mel? And then also for the rest of this draft, they only have six picks in total. Yeah, they got some things they got to do. They got to get a pass rusher. They got to get an offensive lineman at some point. A wide receiver, I believe they could use. Well, they would get a linebacking help as well. So if you say that combo guy, whatever you want to call it, combo linebacker, pass rusher, would he pay? Is it too high? Jalen Phillips, too high. So then you look at wide receiver falls in your left. Do you take Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle? Knowing you have Kenny Galladay and others, I would because I got guys that can catch the ball. And the problem with the Giants has been drop passes. Obviously, the offensive line, if a guy you love is there, you would think about him. Uh, keep in mind, Andrew Thomas is a key to the entire football team, I believe. Certainly a key to Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Everything that goes on with the Giants. He was the high pick, the fourth pick overall. Uh, we all thought, Todd, I had Jedrick Wills as my top offensive tackle. Uh, yeah, I had Dwarf second. I had uh, Thomas at 14 on the board. They took him. Now they got a hope in year two, Dave Gettleman does, that he, a Dave Gettleman pick, helps out the quarterback, who was a Dave Gettleman pick, and Daniel Jones that allows Saquon Barkley a Dave Gettleman pick. All those pieces have to come together, and with Andrew Thomas being the key guy. I'm preparing myself for the Giants to do something interesting at number 11 that, as far as like draft Twitter is concerned, wouldn't be super popular, right? Like a meat and potatoes type pick. Because well, we Michael know that Parsons Dave... would have to be in the discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that would excite the masses. But like I'm sitting here thinking to myself, but Christian Barmore from Alabama is an example of a player that I think Dave Gettleman probably would really like. I just think that, you know, draft Twitter would be like, oh, man, defensive tackle, pick number 11. They could have had Devontae Smith or somebody else that might be sitting there. But we know the Giants, of course. So, so would ABC coverage because I, I would be chipping away at him again. So. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens come Thursday night, Todd. Uh, pick number 12 now, Philadelphia, who moved back, um, of course, in that trade. Uh, they originally had the sixth pick, but they moved back mm -hmm. uh, with Miami. So they have pick number 12 plus an additional first round pick in 2022. Uh, they've got some obvious needs this year. Could they be in line to fill either wide receiver or cornerback? I think they're most pressing needs right now. Yeah, I, I, I would say those are the top two. They also they have 11 picks, the most in the in entire draft. So yep. they, they've got some some movement areas where if they want to go up and target a guy, they, they've got some draft capital in order to do so. But but you should also look at it. Five of those 11 picks are in the sixth and seventh round. So mm. they're going to be trying to, you know, taking stabs at, at guys that hopefully can make the roster and contribute. But ultimately, I think the first it, – it's funny. This is a classic, classic case of just the information you get the week before the draft. <laughs> talking to one GM yesterday, and he says, you know, we're, we're hearing that, uh, that Howie's open for business and, and really wants to move back. And then Howie Roseman, sorry, the, their general manager. Sure. And then I talked to a different general manager who said, I'm told that, that they're interested in one of the quarterbacks. And if Justin Fields starts to fall, like people are saying, that they would take him. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, usually it's not very obvious like this, but this is pretty obvious. Howie's like just sending out a couple smoke signals. Here you go. We will take Fields if he's there. But I would love to move back and get additional picks and, and be in a spot where, where we can really build this roster. Because let's face it, they're, they're in a rebuild mode. But um, they would love it 12 for, for Waddle or Smith, the wide receivers, one of those two to fall. That's probably not going to happen. So I think J.C. Horn would make the most sense unless they're in love with Elijah, Elijah Moore, the, 
the wide receiver from Ole Miss, yeah. that seems a little high at 12. So it, it's either going to be the second corner after Sertan and J.C. Horn from South Carolina or a move back. But I can't see – I just can't see them – can't see them taking a quarterback. And I can't see a quarterback, quite frankly, falling to number 12, although we've seen some crazy stuff. But I, I think Philly's kind of all over the place, and they want as many picks as they can get to try to re- rebuild this roster. And let's face it, Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith, one of those two could be there. And if they are, then obviously Philadelphia would have to look at a way. You took Jalen Rager last year. They would have to – I don't know how you pass up Devontae Smith. Oh, they, they, they would absolutely take Jaylen a receiver Waddle. there. Yeah. They would take a receiver there. But it's tough to – I mean – you look at all right, Cincinnati. If they go offensive tackle, let's say Kyle Pitts goes four, then offensive tackle five. Then the next couple teams want wide receivers. So now you're down to one receiver. And I just think I don't know. I I just think that these all all three of the wide receivers and all four of the pass catchers will be off the board by pick nine. Yeah, well, that would be Detroit trading out, right, and letting somebody get a quarterback. Carolina taking the O lineman over the receiver. And yep. then the Giants going defense. passing on a receiver, and mm-hmm. then you're right there. So the yeah. Philadelphia very easily, the Eagles could very easily be staring a wide receiver right in the face and have to take them. So that would be an exceptional trade they made to yeah. move back and still get a guy that they were probably going to get, you know, in, in the same neighborhood at number six. Yep. Uh, let's move on to the Chargers, who are picking 13th, Mel, and amongst the most obvious needs in the NFL right now is the Chargers' need for a left tackle. Yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert was phenomenal. And uh, despite getting hit, I mean, watching him, I'm saying, is he going to get up? Yes, he got up. So tough. And so, I mean, it, just watching was tough. It was, you were just waiting for another Joe Burrow situation. They got to fix that or he's not going to survive. So, uh, you know, my thing would be, which one? Do they, are they high enough on Christian Darisol from Virginia Tech? Uh, do they, are they in a position where they can take somebody else and wait? Uh, Slater will probably be gone. Sewell will obviously be gone. They need a tackle. Darisaw, the left tackle out of Virginia Tech, uh, would be the guy, I would think, at 13. And then, obviously, look at a pass rusher down the line a little bit, a corner as well, maybe an Eric Stokes in the second round. A Melifon Wu from Syracuse would be a guy. We talked about Asante Samuel. A lot of second-round corners uh, would be possibilities for the Chargers. All right, so the Chargers at 13 <coughs> could certainly – they get lucky land one of those top two left tackles, but that would have to be extremely lucky. Tom Telesco, their GM, talks about how they're kind of in a unique tier, those two guys and Rashawn Slater and also Penne Sewell. Uh, next up, we have the Vikings and Patriots, back-to-back teams who have 10 selections. So, Todd, for Minnesota, uh, this team needs to get better defensively based off how they played last season, but they are fairly busy in free agency. So where should they be turning in this draft? Yeah, Rick Spielman always does a really good job in the draft. He, yep. he knows how to manage it. I think that could be a spot where a team tries to move up to go get a guy, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. Elijah Vera Tucker or uh, Darisaw or um, a corner, you know, J.C. Horn if he's still on the board, what, whatever it is. I think that they could wind up moving back, but ultimately if they stick at 14, offensive line and edge are the two areas that I think they, they probably need the most. Then you could say uh, safety as well. So uh, is uh, Teron uh, Merrick from, from TCU, is that too high? I love him. I think he's worth the pick. I think he's, he's the best safety clearly in this year's draft class. Uh, could, it be, could it be Vera Tucker from USC? Could it be uh, the first edge guy to come off the board? Maybe if it's a Cordy Pay or a, from, a, from Michigan or, or Miami's Jalen Phillips. 
this is they're in a good spot. Rick Spielman is in a good spot as a GM because there are players that fit the need at the positions that they have. So, Mel, moving on to pick number 15, it's the Patriots. And we think quarterback is a need for the Patriots, maybe even a must in the draft. We thought that last year as well. So how should the Patriots approach the first round and then beyond? They're fun to watch because uh, to see what they decide to do. It's you know, 15, you're not getting a quarterback. you got to be aggressive and trade up. Is it going to be Justin Fields that they moved up to get or Trey Lance? If they stay where they are at 15, then you would have to think corner, receiver, which one is there? Cornerback-wise, will J.C. Horn still be on the board? Uh, at that point, Sertan will be gone. Caleb Farley will be a little risky at that point, coming off the second back surgery. Too high for Greg Newsom the second. Wide receiver-wise, uh, you're not going to see one of the elite receivers get to 15. So then you're talking about more of a slot receiver at that point, like Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. Uh, like I say, you think about also you know, the linebacking situation. They get Dante Hightower back. Don't forget, this is the leader of their defense. This is the guy coming back after opting out. So he's like an additional first-round pick coming to that defense. He added Matthew Judon to give him a pass rusher. So I would think right here, you know, if it's not good, if they're not going to go up and get the quarterback at 15, it may end up being a corner. And like I say, the guy I would target at that point would be J.C. Horn if he were available. Yeah, J.C. Horn probably better than the 15th overall player in this year's class just because of the quarterbacks and the wide receiver run early. We could see him get pushed down a little bit, but he is phenomenal. That much we know. The Patriots have an outstanding cornerback from Stephon Gil- and Stephon Gilmore, also from South Carolina on their roster, but Gilmore scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent after this year. Yeah. Another team that really needs a cornerback is the Arizona Cardinals. They have just six picks. What should be their approach for Steve Kine, who's always opportunistic? Hope that J.C. Horn does get picked right ahead. Right <laughs> yeah. Um, Caleb Farley makes sense if you're comfortable with his back. The Virginia right. Tech corner, I've said it before, I think he's the best man-to-man cover corner in this class. He's not as physical. He's, he has some developing to do. But in terms of his tools and his ability to go up and get the ball, that would make sense. But, again, you've got to be comfortable with that. And if it's not corner, maybe it's wide receiver. You know, you, you built this offense around – Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, and you you want to have explosive weapons. You want to go four wide and be able to create those those space mismatches. And I, I think bringing in Elijah Moore, it's not too early in my opinion. And I everyone I've talked to this weekend, everyone is convinced that he's the number four receiver off the board, and everyone has a, a number four behind the the big three, Chase Smith and Waddle. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes a little bit higher. Than maybe we originally projected. Who was who was that guy, Todd? Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. Oh, where did he play? Who's he play for? <laughs> oh. uh, hey, 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 Mel, he's finally in the first round. Mock 4.0. Uh, solid, solidly enough. Hey, they're solidly in the first. 80 plus catches last year for Elijah Moore at Ole Miss. First year, obviously, playing in the Lane Kiffin system. Most interesting pick to me in the first round this year, Mel, is the Raiders at 17. Yep. The reason why is because they are as unconventional as any team in the NFL, I would argue, right now with their draft strategy. Where should they Always go? Who should they be targeting? Always yep. entertaining team with Mike Mayock and John Gruden to see what direction they're going to go. You think about the restructuring of the offensive line. Colt Miller is the outstanding left tackle. It's the last man standing. They're restructuring that yep. thing up front. Yep. Linebacker, we talked about a guy. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, Todd, there's a kid, Jamie and Sherwood at Auburn. Is going to end up being that combo in the box, linebacker safety. Mm-hmm. Gruden loves Gruden loves great tacklers, and Sherwood's an interesting guy. Didn't run great, but he's a football player. And he's Kuiper, are you talking first round for Sherwood, or are you talking later? 
I, I'm, I'm talking about other players they can pick up in the third, fourth round. I think he's a third oh, or fourth okay. rounder. All right. I, I, I tuned you out for a while. I just want to throw some other while. names out there. Throw some other names out there. Jamie and Sherwood's an interesting guy because I think he's in a yep. ability. I mean, I'm just thinking about Gruden guy. Gruden loves great tacklers and a great, just footballers. And that's what Jamie and Sherwood is. And they need help at that spot, both safety and linebacker. And he could be a guy that helped them. I really believe you mentioned Trayvon Merrick if you want the safety. I, you know who I think is a perfect Raider pick? What does Gruden always say? You have to have the finished game as a great pass rush. They haven't had pass that rush. for I, I think Jalen Phillips screams Raider, doesn't he? Yeah. If, he, yeah. if he's still available. Of course, one of two Miami pass rushers who could hear his name called in the first round. And I'm, I'm serious. The Raiders, they are so unconventional relative to the rest of the league. We've talked about recent examples. Cleveland Farrell, fourth overall. Uh, even last year, Damon Arnett, the Ohio State cornerback, who caught a lot of people off guard when he was taken, I believe it was 18th overall. Let's move to the team that has the 19th pick. We were talking about Miami, who's at 18. So we're going to get to the teams that do not have a first-round pick later. But the Washington football team coming up next here, Todd, this is a team that has a quarterback uh, scenario figured out for this year, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So where should they be looking for the 2021 draft? Well, first of all, I, I would be trying to get a deal to go move up to get Trey Lance or Justin Fields if one of them falls okay. a little bit. You know, if that doesn't happen, then I, I'm told that they they have a lot of interest in one of the second round quarterbacks, Davis Mills from Stanford. So that right. they could they, they could take care of that situation in round two if if the intel is correct. Here, then it would become offensive line linebacker that would make the most sense. I mean, I don't know. If, Christian Derrissaw, we've mentioned a, a few times, if, if he falls to this spot, that could work. I think, that, but Micah Parsons, I'm telling you, Micah Parsons is going to fall a little bit further than, than all of us anticipate. So he could be a really good pickup and a value at this spot. Or you could take Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa if he's still on the board coming out of Notre Dame. So both versatile guys, Owusu-Koromoa is a better cover linebacker. Both are really good in coverage. Parsons is more complete. He's bigger, he's faster, and he's a better pass rusher. But he's, he comes with some issues. So it'll be interesting to see. But I, I think linebacker could be the pick here if the offensive linemen come off the board quickly, which is what everyone I've talked to in the league is saying. It's going to go a lot faster than you guys are projecting. And just a reminder, Ron Rivera, of course, during his playing days, was a linebacker. You know he loves having yep. good linebackers. He's almost always had that during his head coaching career. Certainly helps when you have a guy like Luke Keekley, man in the middle in Carolina. <laughs> Let's go to Chicago, Mel. They're currently uh, scheduled to pick 20th overall. We know they have a quarterback need, but can they actually fill that need? I think they're going to be aggressive and try to go up and get one. I really do. I think you know, whether it'll be successful, whether a team wants to drop to 20, that's the whole thing. You might want to go. You might have a nice – does the team want to drop all the way down to 20? Uh, if they don't get the quarterback, you get help for Andy Dalton and you get a receiving entity. Todd already talked about Elijah Moore. Uh, you look at him, look at Arius Tony, somebody like that, or an O-lineman, whether it's a Tevin Jenkins, whoever they feel is worthy of being that high a pick. Uh, but I do think quarterback, if they don't get one in the first, they certainly could look second or third round for a quarterback. The key there is going to be you got to love one. This team's got to win. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace have to win this year and surrounding Andy Dalton with the right pieces. Now, if you say, if, well, why would they go get a quarterback? Well, if they're the, or, they're the head coach, Jim, that goes and gets a quarterback, did anybody think Justin Herbert was going to be that good last year? 
Well, that's a guy who can save your uh, save your job. He can be a guy who can show that okay, I'm moving forward with this quarterback. And if they hit with Fields or Lance, because that would be those would be the two that could slide. But there's an argument to move up and get them. I just don't know if a team wants to move down to twenty. Yeah, it would be a big, big drop for a team move all the way down to number twenty. Unless you're one of those teams that is saying, hey, like I'm just using this as an example. Detroit might be able to say, we're so focused on 2022 and 2023 that. If we get plenty of extra picks to move from seven to 20, we might be motivated to do so. Mm -hmm. Number 21, Todd, is Indianapolis, one of my favorite teams to watch in the draft because, frankly, GM Chris Ballard just makes good decisions consistently. What are some of the needs that he has going into this draft with only six picks available? Yeah, I agree, Field. I think Ballard's one of the best GMs in in the entire league, and, and he does a great job drafting. Offensive line and edge, and this is kind of... You see this range. We've been saying this now for like four of the last six teams. So that's where I think maybe the offensive linemen start coming off the board a little bit higher. Uh, Liam Eikenberg, I don't. I think it's too rich for for this early. But I, mm-hmm. I have talked to GMs who think he's going to be a late first round pick. If we have Quiddy Pay from Michigan and Jalen Phillips off the board, is there another edge that you want? Is Aziz Ojolari? Are you comfortable with his medical? Because he's got some medical concerns. But he, he's got the talent to go. Uh, Zabin Collins has got some some issues as well. But he, he's obviously got the talent coming out of Tulsa. Dominant player, sack, sack producer, and a guy who can cover. So there are a lot of things in this area in terms of offensive linemen and edge guys that you have to sift through. But I, I'm, I'm certain that Ballard will make, make the right decision. Or if he can, maybe move out of this spot. Yeah, they were a team that some thought could try to trade for Orlando Brown, who's now a Kansas City Chief. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. Pick number 22, Mel, is the Tennessee Titans, a team that addressed defense in free agency but lost a couple of key offensive pieces. So what would you do if you were GM John Robinson? Well, I think you look at the the quarterback position, uh, a receiving entity there would make sense. I think you can find a few tight ends down the line. I like, I don't know, Todd's opinion. I like Kenny Yaboa out of Old Miss in that fourth round range, fifth round range, they need help at that spot. Uh, but an offensive line, I mentioned, you think about that position down the line, but wide receiver corner, it would be interesting to say, Caleb Farley, who takes a guy who could have been a top 10 to 15 pick had it not been for the second back surgery, his history as far as his athleticism, playing multiple positions, quarterback, wide receiver, corner, playing so well in 2019, having that great length and athleticism, potentially a really good cover guy for today's NFL. I want to see who really says we're taking a guy because now all of a sudden we don't never seen Caleb Farley there, but because people are passing on him, he falls in our lap. Watch out for him there. And as far as wide receivers go, I want to see where, you know, who takes Rashad Bateman coming off a, a subpar 2020 because of the COVID situation, but a great 2019 season. Those are two players, Farley and Bateman that are, yeah, guys, you just want to keep an eye on because when they're picked, we'll probably be praising that choice. Yeah, Tennessee, one of those teams that uh, wouldn't surprise me to see them go any different, any number of different directions. This is a team that is close to being there. And if they go bold, they certainly uh, could maybe get a couple of fine-tuning pieces they need to uh, put this roster right back into AFC contention, or at least they are on the cusp of the Chiefs in that tier. Todd, going to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have number 24 right now in the first yep. round. Everybody wants to have them draft a running back in the first round. Is that the strategy they should be taking? And what other positions should be on their radar? It could be. You know, one interesting rumor that I heard this weekend was that, that Buffalo at 30 is trying to talk to teams to get up ahead of 
uh, what is it? The Jets at 23 mm-hmm. and then uh, Pittsburgh and Jacksonville to make sure they get Travis Etienne, the running back from Clemson. So it'll be interesting to see how that whole thing shakes out. Seems like a big trade up to go get a running back in the first round. Uh, but Etienne would make sense. Najee Harris, Najee Harris from Alabama just seems to fit what they want to do, being a power team run the football between the tackles and then be able to pass protect and, and catch the ball. So running back is certainly an option with either ETN or Harris offensive line is certainly a need. Uh, we talked about Tevin Jenkins, the Oklahoma state right tackle who could come in and, and be, become a, a physical guy for them and they can run behind or the edge position. And we mentioned all the names before. So those are the three positions that I, I think Pittsburgh's probably most focused on right now. Just one man's opinion, but I think the best way to solve your running game is to invest in the offensive line over a running back. I'm not saying that Najee Harris isn't a really good player, but you yep. need that consistency up front for any running back to get going to his full potential. The Browns are so far down the draft order. This is foreign territory practically for <laughs> Cleveland Mill. Not picking until 26th overall. What should be the direction that Andrew Barry, their GM, should take? And I got to be honest with you, Mel, not a lot of needs on this roster. There really aren't, Phil. That's a great point. I think a speedy option at wide receiver slot, a linebacker, obviously, added Walker. But, you know, the pass rusher is optional now because you have Clowney to go along with Garrett. But, you know, Todd had talked about getting another guy in there. You can do that. Do you have to do it in the first round? No. I think Zayvon Collins is a guy that is going to come off the board at some point right around here. Uh, you know, the versatility that he has, the length that he has, the ability to move around with the range he has and get after the quarterback and be disruptive in terms of the throwing lanes, I think would make him really interesting uh, where this pick is being made. And then you talk about the speedy receiver. Yeah, at this stage of the first round, I'm gonna, I'll throw the name out there, Deami Brown from North Carolina. He ran 4-4-3. He's got the size. He averaged over 20 yards a catch. He's a nice player. Eskridge from Western Michigan, if you want to wait for the second round, I think he's going to go somewhere early to mid two, so you can get some guys there. At 59, is there going to be maybe an Anthony Schwartz there? It could. Uh, you know, certainly Rondale more and more of a third. But I think right now, Esk- I'm here. I keep hearing Eskridge's name come up, Todd, a lot. Yeah, early, early second. second yeah, Early second, yep. Guy who really, as we talked about so many times in this podcast, really showed up and performed capably at the Senior Bowl, which not that you haven't seen him before, but that's so much competition that you're not accustomed to seeing a player that plays in the MAC normally face. So number 27, Todd, is now the Baltimore Ravens, who also mm-hmm. own 31 following the trade of Orlando Brown to Kansas City. We could have an entire podcast on that trade. You don't often see rivals trade with each other. <laughs> Uh, but Baltimore has a second first round pick to work with. They now have 10 overall, another GM and Eric DaCosta who just makes solid moves consistently. How should Baltimore be preparing for Thursday night? Yeah, obviously offensive line now is, is kind of a, a premium in terms of what you're looking for in the draft. And if we talked about Tevin Jenkins before Liam Eichenberg as well. Um, I don't think there's another offensive tackle that will come off the board in the first round but they're going to go quickly, as I mentioned. So offensive line and then edge is another position that they could utilize. You know, I, I think Zayvon Collins, as Mel talked about, if they're comfortable with the character and, and, and what he brings to the table, he has all the talent in the world, and this is the range that he's going to wind up going. Aziz Ojolari, we, we talked about from, from Georgia as well. And then beyond that, I, I think, you know, guys in the interior defensive line, and, and I'm talking about rounds two and three, safety, and then bringing in another wide receiver to, to just bolster the uh, to bolster that core and, and get more vertical presence. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people feel like if they could walk away from the first round with some pass rush and another pass catcher, that would be a great start yep. for Baltimore, who, again, they always find good players in the draft. They are a draft and develop team. I know we say that about a lot of teams, but the Ravens really are near the top of that list. Uh, Mel, the Saints had an offseason defined in some ways by players either restructuring their deals or having to move on because of cap constraints, which makes the draft that much more important, especially when you have a new era at quarterback. What should the New Orleans Saints be doing this weekend with the draft? Well, I think you look at the quarterback position, wide receiver, linebacker, uh, you know, where it falls for them at, at 28. Uh, it could be a Rashad Bateman, uh, the wide receiver from Minnesota. Could be a Deami Brown. If you're looking at cornerback, at that point, you might be stretching it a bit. Now, I don't necessarily wouldn't reach for Tyson Campbell. I hear his name in the late first. I'm not sold on Tyson Campbell. I think there's a little boomer bust there, but his name does come up. Uh, the cornerback position, like I said, is very deep, so you can get some really – there's going to be a good run on corners in the second round uh, range. They threw out some of those names already. Aaron Robinson from UCF is probably more of a two. Linebacker-wise, Todd, I don't know where you have him. I've talked about him for the last month, month and a half. It's Malcolm Coots from Buffalo. The guy to get sacks off the edge. He's 6'2 and a half, 250 with the length I like. He's uh, like the player the you've most overrated in this entire draft. Well, thank you. That guarantees him success. But that, uh, <laughs> yeah. there, there you go. That's good. You remember, I remember you said the same thing about Hassan Reddick when I had Hassan Reddick. I said, Rach. No, and Hassan Reddick you're crazy. You're crazy. What? You said it when I picked Hassan Reddick in our draft. You said, Reach. And I said, Yeah. I, I, it's on tape. We got you. We got you. Now you got Malcolm Coons. I love Malcolm Coons. I always said that. We got the podcast to prove it. All right, good. We got to check the tape on that one. There's always tape somewhere available to go back and reassess it. Hassan Reddick, reach. I heard reach. I said, why is there Hassan Well, you probably took him at like 14. I took him at 11. <laughs> All right, All right. we can probably have some fun with that. We'll go back and check the tape during the NFL draft offseason, which is for like two weeks in May. And then Todd and Mel are right back to grinding the tape <laughs> for 2022 picks. Uh, and Todd, 2020 was another solid year for Green Bay. This is a team that I think is often talked about in a different light than the record suggests they should be. Um, and that's all because they took a quarterback last year in the first round. They took Jordan Love. They won't take a quarterback again this year, but probably for a long time. Well, what should they be taking with the 29th overall pick? They've kept the band together this offseason. Yeah, yeah. So far, so good, right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens next year. <laughs> but um, I think I think cornerback is a need. I certainly think wide receiver is a need. This is where yeah. I think, you know, if Elijah Moore is the fourth receiver oh off gosh. the board – this is where I think Rashad Bateman could could wind up being mm -hmm. a good pick coming out of Minnesota. I, and I failed to mention that with Baltimore. I've heard that you know Baltimore has has some some interest in, in him as well as many of these teams do in the bottom six seven picks of the first round. So he might be that next receiver off the board. I think Tutu Atwell from Louisville is going to be his second round pick. Some of the other slot guys we've talked about, uh, Rondale Moore from Purdue, are going to be second round picks. But I think Bateman is going to wind up somewhere in this late first round range. And corner Greg Newsom, I, I don't, you know, I don't know where he's going to wind up going. But coming out of Northwestern, there's a lot of love for him. He he's not a perfect prospect, but who is? But uh, but he's he's kind of started to, to rise. And there are some people that think Newsom could go ahead of Caleb Farley. I don't see that, but I also don't have the full medical report, and I don't have a, a medical staff telling me what the what the long term you know, outcomes should be in terms of what happens with his back. So that could corner and wide receiver are probably two positions that 
that you could look for if you're a Green Bay fan. Yeah, that's interesting, Todd, because Newsom also had some injury issues at Northwestern. Yeah, yes, he did. But he had some, I'd say, durability issues at Northwestern. Right, that's why I said he wasn't perfect. Right, more significant injury with him there. Uh, and I do think, uh, you know, at this stage of the first round, uh, when you look at – now we're to Buffalo field. Yeah, let's go to Buffalo, right, too. Um, you, t- you took yourself there, Mel. I don't even need to be here. No, I, I think Buffalo is an interesting team. They got my favorite quarterback who's rolling right now. Yeah. And thank Josh, great year. Congratulations. And now we got a chance to get a little bit of help on the defensive side of the ball or the running back. Todd mentioned traded up, trading up. Can you get the running back here? Do you feel okay with Javante Williams if you're Buffalo just falling in your lap to be there? The former linebacker in high school, he averaged with 16 tackles a game his junior year. We had him on a Darian Mel show Saturday. Impressive kid. Uh, yeah, just a guy that you probably figure maybe late first, early second, or four teams in the early second, Jacksonville, the Jets, uh, Atlanta as well. Uh, was it Jacksonville versus the teams in the second, Todd? Got it here. Second round, Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jets, Atlanta, Jets, Miami. Atlanta, Miami. Jacksonville, Jets, Atlanta, Miami could all go maybe running back or at least think about it. I think pass rusher uh, is another area where, and I'm going to throw Jason Oway. I think his name's come up today during the podcast. Yeah, uh, there's a kid who didn't have a sack, but he, he had a freakish workout. I, I really believe Todd, somebody field, somebody takes Jason Oway in the late first round. We're at worst by pick 38. Yeah, he's such a toolsy projection based player, right? Runs always a sub four four. Yeah, yeah. Kid, six five two sixty with long arms and, and four three nine speed. You're going to go. You can have him, man. You can have him. <laughs> I'm just saying where he's going to go, Todd. I'm just saying. Where no, he's I know. I agree. I agree. I think. I think. I think he's going to be late first, early second, but. Zero yeah, sacks. I know he had a lot of pressures. Jason Oway, and he'll, he'll put him in his mock first. He'll say, I'm an idiot, but he'll put him in his late first. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Well, just because you guys think a player might go late in the first doesn't mean that you necessarily agree with the idea that that player should go yeah, in the exactly. late first. Exactly. I'm not sure that the, the Bucks seriously, they don't have a single pressing need going into 2021, which allows them the ability to look past 2021 and maybe even to 2022. What should be on their radar? Well, I mean, first of all, you need an edge rusher. You could use some uh, – you don't need anything, but edge rusher for the future and continue to, to bring in more guys, and you can always have depth there. Offensive line. And then the other interesting rumor that I heard is that they may have interest in drafting a quarterback hmm. late in the first after also – you know, Jason Light did a tremendous job. How, how many times do you see a Super Bowl team bring back all 22 starters on offense uh, and defense? And it, it never happens. This is the first time, yeah. Is that is that historically correct? I'm sure you know better than I do. Yeah, like, at least during the salary cap era when it became a lot more difficult to keep the guys that you right. wanted to keep. Yeah. Especially when guys are, we won a Super Bowl, and now they want to get plucked by somebody else and go make more money. So the fact that you have all these guys back, I, I think edge and offensive line, but I've heard a rumor that they might be interested. We talked about the five quarterbacks in the first round of that second tier and I won't say the specific name, but it could be Kellen Mond, Davis Mills, or Kyle Trask. Okay. Which That's would be really intriguing late in the fir- first. And we've seen that before. We've seen that b- before a lot where teams just take a, take a flyer on a quarterback late, and it's the guy that they want, and they know that they're not picking one. In the second round until 64, they don't have another pick in the middle. So if you really like a guy and you think he can be the future, pretty good time to bring him in and have him sit behind Tom Brady. And I, I know you talked about this, I believe, on part of my take, Todd, about how the Vegas over-under is five and a half for quarterbacks, right? And it makes it really interesting to see whether yes. a six could go at 32 overall. Uh, Mel, who I think yes. we may have lost the video, if you can throw the video back on, 
Or, or oh, geez. call Kim. You don't want to see us. Yeah, well, uh, Kim Kiefer. People would say I'm better off this way. <laughs> well, I disagree with those people, Mel. But uh, we, we can move to the, the the teams that do not have a first round pick right now. There are four of them, and no team has less draft capital this year by basically any metric you want to use, whether it's total number of picks, the value of those picks from any of the various draft charts than the Seattle Seahawks. They have three picks, three. Now, of course, they have also traded for Jamal Adams. They've also traded for, uh, they traded for Gabe Jackson and Steven Sullivan last year, a draft pick at LSU is now with the Carolina Panthers. So if you're Josh Snyder and Pete Carroll, what are your needs and how do you fill them? Yeah, I think you look at it and you say, you know, if they could get a pass rusher, a corner, offensive line help, where they're picking at 56, who follows that far? When our mock, we had Gregory Rousseau dropping that far. I think it's borderline whether it'll be there. I think the pro day hurt Gregory Rousseau. Uh, he opted out this year after the big 2019 season. He's an interesting guy. I don't necessarily think he'll be there at that particular point. You look cornerback with some, uh, some versatility at that point. They maybe could uh, look at a Javon Holland, who's a safety corner. Uh, who can really give you, I think, what they're looking for uh, in Seattle, maybe a Benjamin St. Juice, but one of the bigger corners is typically what they do. I personally look at it, and I, I go to a guy that I think could be a really good player is Brandon Stevens from SMU. I mentioned him earlier, but more third round than second round. But there's going to be a host of corners there at that point. I'll go back to Rousseau, Todd. Do you see him dropping into the late second or see him going more early second? I think early to mid-second, but, it, I mean, it used to be – you know, Phillips and Rousseau back to back and somewhere in the middle of the first. And now it's, it's clearly different. And there's just there's frustration that he that he didn't play. And and you just don't know in the pro day, as you mentioned. So I think Rousseau could fall. Rousseau will be an interesting guy, of course, uh, has plenty of natural ability, but opted out this past year. Todd, another team that's short on draft picks is the Rams. They've got just six in total. Of course, their first round pick. Uh, they trade it like every single year. It's what the Rams do. Uh, so what would you be doing if you are GM less neat along with Sean McVay, their head coach, in those posh draft headquarters? For those that haven't seen it, the Rams are basically <laughs> going to the beach to draft this weekend. Yeah, life is good, right? It sure They're is. They're picking at 57, I think, overall in the, yep. the second that's round. The in first the league. One, yeah. So uh, offensive tackle, we talked about the run that's going to happen. Dylan Radons is going to be gone. Samuel Cosme is, is very polarizing and coming out of Texas because he had great measurables and workout numbers. His tape's not nearly as good. Some teams love him, or I wouldn't say love him. Some teams think that he's, he's worth the investment early in the second. He could slide a little bit though, because again, he's just not as good on tape as he is in terms of the measurables, but the cornerback is another position where I I think they could go. Uh, Calvin Joseph. I don't know if he'll still be available coming out of, Kentucky, but there are plenty of corners you can get late in that second round range. So I think offensive line or cornerback could be the spot for the Rams. Yeah, uh, man, it's such a uh, interesting draft for the Rams. They're not devaluing the draft. It's just so funny how they're so confident in their approach and they've had a lot of success. They continue to win a ton of games. Uh, A trade took place that we referenced earlier on in the show, Mel. It was the Chiefs acquiring Orlando Brown. A junior uh, from the Baltimore Ravens. He's going to be their left tackle going forward. He's got one year left on his contract. So he, might need, he might need a new deal from Kansas City very soon. But let's talk about the Chiefs, who now have their first pick at 58 overall from the Ravens. Uh, they traded down or they traded away pick number 31. So they have two second round picks. What should be the mindset and the approach for Kansas City? Another team with very few needs right now. 
Exactly. Offensive line now with Lucas Niang at right tackle and Orlando Brown at left tackle. And then you think about could Landon Dickerson, the center out of Alabama, center guard, still be there. Uh, yeah, they've obviously restructured this entire offensive line, but Dickerson would be a guy that they could wait on a little bit. You know, if he's going to be ready for the season, it's debatable. Uh, he's had injury issues. Durability is a concern, but he's a great football player. Would have been a late one had he been completely healthy. Uh, could he drop down this far and become a pick at 58 for them on that pick from the Ravens? Uh, that would give them Orlando Brown and then get Landon Dickerson because of that trade. Uh, then you think about an edge rusher and a corner uh, and add a receiver at some point, take advantage of the depth of that spot. This is a team that, you know, the Ravens signed Sammy Watkins. Kansas City had signed Priest Holmes away from the Ravens. There was a free agent running back. You know, got Elvis Gerr back. It's, it's going back because these two teams have had, you know, you know, players move on from one to the other. But I think when you look at the offensive line, they could get, and I'll say the top, Landon Dickerson, could, could he be there at 58? It's possible. I, I almost said him said at 57 is, is a possibility, but I, I actually don't think he's going to get there. I know the durability issues are huge, but his tape is – he's a first-round pick if, if you know he's going to be healthy. Oh, yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he certainly is. He's such a unique well, well, guy with experience everywhere. Yeah, and then it gets into another center, uh, Creed Humphrey from Al from Oklahoma. Where does we have Alabama with Dickerson, Creed Humphrey, Oklahoma? Some mixed opinion on, but I had heard one. Tell you to make all our calls, Todd. Last night I had heard, don't be shocked if he went late first, early second. Sure. So, yeah. You know, Creed Humphrey's name. Then you get into the late secondary. That's where Quinn Miners, the center guard, center from Wisconsin, Whitewater, could start to be hearing his name called. So I think yeah, he's late they, second, they, early third. Yeah. Right. If they want that type of player, they could it could fall pretty well for the Chiefs in terms of an interior offensive lineman. Todd, last we'll get to the Texans, who themselves are very limited in terms of draft capital. I'm going to offer this. Be patient here with Nick Casario, their new GM. Obviously, an unusual circumstance that he I has agree. inherited. I completely agree. Yeah, and I know that they have been an easy butt end of jokes because they've signed like 30 free agents, and a lot of them are like sort of average veteran players. You, you know who did that 20 years ago? Yeah, the New England Patriots right. did the exact same thing, and everyone's like, who are these guys? Yeah, Mike you know, Frigel, they're a bunch of retreads, eight-year veterans. Who are these guys? And then, what, two, three years later, they're winning the Super Bowl. Or two years later, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think that he, he's taken the exact approach that Bill Belichick took when he came to New England. And I think, Todd, the mindset in Houston right now is we need to get professionals in this locker room. Like, we got to start yes. to build a culture, and we need pros. So they definitely also need some youth. They don't have a lot of draft capital. This is the final year where they're hampered by it. Uh, they've got just six picks right now. If I'm, I'm sorry, eight picks, but they, a lot of them are in the late round. They've got two in the fifth, two in the fifth, three in the sixth, and one in the seventh. So if you are Nick Casario and his staff, what are some of the biggest needs? Understand they've got a lot. Let's just be honest. They have a lot of needs right now. Yeah. I mean, when you don't pick till 67 overall, it's hard to start putting exact names with them. Right. I mean, they need a wide receiver. It's probably the only position that they really need on the offensive side right now compared to their other needs, which are all on the defensive side. I think uh, Simi Fehoko, I'll give you a name, for the, the big six foot four, 210, 212-pound wide receiver from Stanford who, sure. who only had three catches, less than three catches per game in 2019. But he had a Stanford record for the season of over 23, I think it was 23.6 yards per catch. You know, I've been working too much when I'm when I can remember this stuff. And and he had that great game against UCLA, the double uh, double overtime win 
where he had, I think, 16 catches in that game. So anyway, that's one name at the wide receiver spot. But other than that, you just look down, it's corner, safety, D-line. They just need to rebuild and bring in young guys that can be foundation players and, and can be part of what they're trying to do on that defensive side. There are a, so couple many... players, a couple of players Sorry, that, you, know, you could be interesting to see what team with extra choices takes a Deo Odangbo from Vanderbilt, a pass mm. rusher, had a nice you know, or a, Achilles, yeah. career. Then he had the Achilles prior to the senior bowl. You didn't, you didn't like how I threw out the Faye Hoko correctly. Now you're trying to trying to one-up me, huh? <laughs> I was I just trying it. to throw three of your names out there. I'll give, hey, I'll give you another guy. Came on the Darian Mel show Saturday, as did Javante Williams. And he was really impressive. And I said, he, he sounds like Ryan Clark. Remember Ryan Clark overlooked coming out of LSU. Great NFL career. They're great uh, with ESPN. You know who, who reminds me of Ryan Clark, Todd? Who's that? DeMar, oh. DeMar Hamlin, the safety at Pitt. Oh, I, I like him. I like him. Great kid. He's, great yeah, kid. Yeah, I, I met with him at well Pitt. Well-spoken, loves the game, had a heck of a career at Pitt, tackling machine in the and box. Every, everyone covered. else was quitting on that team, and he, and he hung in there, and oh, he no, showed up every him. single yeah. down. Great kid. He's I, awesome. I, I want that kid in the third or fourth round. I want the Marham. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, here's the reality of what we can do with Todd and Mel is we could have them keep going. They could talk from now until the draft begins with names and sleepers and players to. But I'd, I'd strangle you, Field. Yeah, I was going to say, we don't <laughs> want that for anybody's mental well being. But what we do want to do is give you guys as much information as we can. So we've really enjoyed this marathon podcast. And we want you to know we're not done yet. The first draft is not over once the draft is over. We're coming back next week with another podcast to recap the draft and look at some of the team fits and big picture takeaways. But I would be remiss not to say to thank you to you too, Mel and Todd, because you guys have shared more stories and bits of information and evaluation and analysis than anybody could possibly imagine. Let, let me just tell you one little quick tidbit, Field. When I'm Todd ready. and I come back to that draft rage stuff, it's the hardest show we do. You know why? Because I'll be you sitting there and I'll say a player Easily. went to a team. I'll say a player went to a team and it went to a team that we've been thinking could be mocked to that player, <laughs> not the actual team he went to. Right. So you'll be sitting there thinking when we do that show, oh, he went to uh, the Jaguars. No, he didn't. He's actually was drafted by Pitt. So that, that's a tough show when you have on your mind all the players you mocked to a team, yet they weren't drafted by that team, and now they're somewhere else. So there you I go. actually saw a Kuiper one year start to fall asleep during one of them. Oh, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll send you. I know Mel doesn't do caffeine or anything. So Wow. We'll get wow. Mel a five-hour energy or something to wake you up a little bit. But uh, we can't wait for that second show. But, gentlemen, safe travels and have a great broadcast this week. You can, of course, find Mel and Todd all over the ESPN broadcast. We look forward to them. They're the best in the business for a reason. I can say anything I want now, Field. You can't hear me. That's right. Yeah, Todd's AirPod just went out. We will see you guys in a week. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. Happy draft week. Thanks, pal.